welcome to the Law Firm Culture 2.0 show, where your questions help the legal community build progressive, productive, and profitable workplace cultures that work for everyone by leveraging the power of authentic relationships. I am your host, Camila Exum. I'm a former attorney and relationship ICU patient. Currently, I'm the principal consultant and executive coach at Exum Consulting, where I'm a relationship jogger training for the triathlon. Hey, everyone, welcome back. It is time yet again for a brand spanking new episode of our show and a brand spanking new question to go along with it. Are you ready for it? Here it comes. Today, we're going to hear from Lydia, who asks, how can I help someone who is upset? A couple of associates and I had a meeting about a shared assignment. Charles was going on and on as usual when Delia chimed in to challenge an assertion he'd made. She was correct, I might add. Charles put his hand up in her face and told her to be quiet and stop interrupting and that he'd let her know when he was done talking. This is typical behavior for Charles, but Delia seemed really deflated or embarrassed or sad, maybe. Anyway, I felt bad for her, and I wanted to say something to her afterwards, but I didn't really know how to approach the situation or what I'd do if she started crying or something. But I thought you might know what I should do the next time something like this happens. How can I help someone who is upset? Thank you for your question, Lydia. I am sending the relationship ambulance for Charles right now, just so you know. He's clearly having an emergency and he needs the relationship ICU immediately. As for you, my friend, it's pretty easy to know how to help your little one if she scrapes her knees, right? Or if you have a friend who is going through a breakup. But many of us get uncomfortable when somebody we're not as close to is visibly upset because we think we don't really know what to do. Especially now when the upset happens at work, where the prevailing wisdom is that we are emotionless beings somehow from nine to five, except, right, some joy is allowed, but even that we we need to make sure that we're expressing appropriately. So we slink off into the ether and pretend nothing's wrong, even when we can clearly see otherwise. I've got news for you, relationship exercisers. Emotions show up at work all the time. Consequently, empathy belongs there too. There's a lot of talk these days about welcoming empathy to the workplace. So what does that mean? What are those of us who advocate doing so really talking about? What does it mean or look like to bring empathy into the workplace? So let's get started with some definitions. The Greater Good Science Center breaks down empathy into the affective and the cognitive, the combination of which leads to the desire to respond to someone who's upset, that thing you were feeling, Lydia. Affective empathy is the ability to sense or to feel what someone else might be feeling. Cognitive empathy is the ability to understand someone else's perspective, so why they might be thinking or feeling a certain way. Now, going back to your kid who scrapes her knee, when when that happens or your friend experiences heartbreak, 
right? We know and feel their pain, regardless of our direct experience with its source. So in those cases, without hesitation, it's really easy to attend to them because we want them to know that they and their pain matter to us. We also tell our loved ones that they matter when we take their feelings and perspectives into account, when we relate to them, uh, especially when we're the ones triggered. So think about uh, someone who has asked their husband to take out the trash already two times and he hasn't done it yet. So that person is then thinking, how might it make him feel if I approached him as Bruce Banner versus how might it make him feel if I approached him as the Incredible Hulk? right? There's a difference there. But the same principle applies in the workplace because I don't know if you've noticed, but as much as we try to turn them off, all the thoughts, emotions, and relationships challenges remain parts of our lived experience as we work. So being able to express empathy, particularly cognitive empathy, helps us connect to one another with respect and kindness, and that makes inclusion and belonging possible. So now we know what empathy is and why it's important, but does it look the same at work as it does with our loved ones? How can you be there for a colleague in need while remaining professional? It's time to help Lydia figure out what to do. Let's coach. Lydia, how would you have approached Delia after the meeting if she had been your friend? What would you have said or done or wanted her to know or experience? So here, even though we're dealing with a workplace relationship, which is you know, clearly less intimate than a friendship, it's still useful to start our analysis by understanding Lydia's fully authentic response. It's possible that we might have to adjust, right, for the work environment, but it's also possible that uh, Lydia's natural response is perfectly appropriate for the workplace. I feel like we often skip over that. We feel like showing that we care for someone is somehow unprofessional, and that's just not always the case. So in our analysis, keep in mind that we always want to start with what the authentic self wants to do, and that means what the uniquely open-hearted version of you would do if there were no possibility of others' judgment. Lydia, what kept you from behaving as you just described with Delia after the meeting? What are some of the stories that affected your decision about how to respond? How true do those stories feel to you right now? These are the fear questions, right? You're familiar with these. We always want to be able to distinguish fact from story as we look at the fears. So if you need a reminder on that or a refresher, check out episode two for more. I would drill down within the stories to get at the worst case scenario Lydia is afraid of, and then we'd address the best case scenario just like we always do. But you'll notice I'm starting off a bit more broadly here because I'm actually not convinced that Lydia truly didn't know what to do. We all have a sense of what our natural response is to someone in need, and Lydia expressed that by answering the first set of questions, right? We know what her natural set of response would be if we have a if she's dealing with a friend. 
what happens is that we get into our heads about whether we should act and what is the appropriate action and you know uh, what needs to happen in this setting etc cetera, etc cetera. and our minds are spinning and that just tends to quash our willingness to express ourselves authentically we're very concerned we're worried we're afraid so the fear questions help us uncover the source of the judgment that stymies Lydia's natural impulses. I'm also curious about whether the same fears remain or if they've lessened in an intensity now that she's had a chance to think them through some with that first set of questions. Lydia, to what extent would the way you responded to Delia as a friend need to change given the reality that she's actually your colleague? So this goes back to what I was saying at the beginning. If Lydia's authentic self would have called Delia to see how she was doing and ask how she could be helpful to her, you know, I make up that she would find that appropriate for the workplace, right? That Lydia would say, hey, this is something I could do for a friend or a colleague. Now, if her authentic self would have taken a friend for a mani-pedi or given her a hug and told her she loved her, well, Lydia might not find that appropriate for the workplace. But the point is that this inquiry is about what Lydia decides. She gets to decide if any change is warranted based on what she thinks is appropriate. Um, and of course, the company's HR policy notwithstanding. So if Lydia would have responded to a friend in a way that she doesn't find appropriate for a colleague, like the Manny Petty, just for example, the next question is a more specific version of the first one we asked in this set. So again, if she doesn't think her authentic response is reasonable, I would ask, what part of your friend response would need to change in order for the response to be reasonable for you and Delia? Okay, so now Lydia knows how to approach someone when they're upset. Great. If she feels confident about being willing and able to act in alignment with her preferred method of approach, we're done, right? She knows what to do. She's ready for next time. Great. But which is often the case if she has any fear about acting. All right, I know what to do, but I'm still not really feeling confident about this. Then we would explore that some more by going through the fear questions again. Only this time, we would ask the questions relative to this amended for work response versus the first time we went through the fear questions, which were relative to what the authentic behavior would be for a friend. everyone. I really hope the show is useful to you and that you're learning all sorts of things that can help you with your work relationships. If you'd like to have your question answered on the show, drop us a line. You can find us at info at eximconsulting.com. That's info at E-X-U-M as in Mary, consulting.com. We'd also love to help you with a trust building strategy for your workplace or to do some coaching around wonderful topics like empathy. So send us an email if you're ready to make your good firm great.
okay, time for my two cents. Listen, I got the same memo that you did. No feelings at work. It is with great joy that I tear up that memo and dance on it. Sad remains. To be sure, work isn't the place to throw yourself on the ground deep in tantrum, but it pays to feel your feelings whenever they arise. Because emotions exist in the workplace, it also pays to trust your gut when you see someone in need. One of the best things we can do for one another is to acknowledge and work to soothe each other's pain. No, this doesn't mean you need to play nursemaid or psychiatrist. You only need to channel the empathy that's within you that connects all of us. When you quiet that fear of uncertainty within you, you know exactly how to help. Nearly everything you can do for a loved one, you can do for a colleague. When we reach out to someone in need, we tell them, you matter, you belong, I've got your back. And what else could a hurting person possibly need to hear? Our quote of the day comes to us from another of my favorites, Henry David Thoreau. He says, could a greater miracle take place than for us to look through each other's eyes for an instant? Wisdom, people, wisdom. Go spend some time in nature for yourself and Thoreau. And we'll see you back here next time. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.